Welcome to the All Saints Community Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. We are a community of worship and formation on mission with Jesus. We are committed to being rooted in the scriptures and the historic Christian faith and to kingdom life in the power of the Holy Spirit. As you listen, may you be encouraged and empowered to know the Lord Jesus and make Him known. For more information on who we are, visit allsaintsokc.org or follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at ASCCOKC. So here we are, part six, final Sunday in Jude. We've been looking at what Jude calls contending for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. We've seen that this letter from Jude, the brother of Jesus and James, was addressed to God's called and beloved, those who are kept for Jesus Christ now and until the day he returns. Just doing a bit of review here. Verse three, Jude talks about the reason for writing this letter. You can see up here, I've got the outline that we've been covering over the past five weeks. And Jude was writing to encourage the people to contend, to battle for the faith that was given from Christ to the apostles. And he says that you do this, you contend for the faith by unmasking and rooting out the false teachers that are infiltrating this local church. And along with that, not just unmasking them and rooting out the false teaching, but proclaiming and living the true message of Christ, the true gospel of the kingdom, the apostles' teaching. Then we saw for several weeks, verses 5 through 16, Jude describes the false teachers and their teachings, and we got the message loud and clear, didn't we? We were like, Jude, we get it. These are nefarious, bad people who are infiltrating the church. They're distorting the gospel of grace. That lead, and they were trying to lead people into sexual perversion. And they were refusing to submit to the lordship of Jesus and be involved in his church and submit themselves to the apostles' teaching. And so he spent 12 verses just jackhammering the false teachers and their teaching. And then he laid out an action plan in verses 17 to 23. And it really involved three things. Remember the apostles' teachings and their warnings. Build yourselves up in your most holy faith. Praying in the Holy Spirit. Keeping yourselves in the love of God. Waiting for Christ's mercy and his return. And then he invited the church to rescue people. Do you remember that? The end of that section. He said, you church get to be a part of the rescue plan. These false teachers have infiltrated the church and now it's affected people. And so I'm calling you to rescue people from the fire that these false teachers are leading them to. So a little bit of an overview. Today, we're gonna see that he ends this often overlooked but powerful, potent letter with a word of worship. Now we know that every verse of scripture is inspired by the Holy Spirit, isn't it? So we can ponder for a moment here and say, why in the world would he end this heavy hitting letter with worship? I think for many reasons, but one, he wants to communicate the glory and greatness of God is the foundation of the church. Not even the teaching of the saints 
It is God himself and Christ. That's the foundation of the church. And so everything builds up from that. So he wants to remind us that the worship of God, the glory of God, is what all of this is about. A second reason is that worship keeps us connected to God and his love and empowers us for warfare. And that's what we're going to see today. Let's read it. Jude 24 and 25, then we'll make some comments. This word of worship. Do you mind standing? Let's just stand. I mean, this is one of the great doxologies, one of the great words of worship in the whole Bible. And people comment about this. And friends, the early church read these letters. We talked about that. So they would have read this and they would have been on their feet, probably worshiping and giving a hearty amen and hallelujah at the end. But listen to what Jude says. Now to him who is able to keep you from falling and to make you stand without blemish in the presence of his glory with rejoicing to the only God, our Savior, Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, power, and authority before all time and now and forever. And the church said, amen. What a, you can be seated there. What a word of praise this is. And a reminder that all the letters of scripture were read aloud. And Paul talks about the public reading of scripture in 1 Timothy 4.13. He says to Timothy, read scripture publicly. Do it often. Read the words of God together. Today, there's many things that we could talk about here, but I want to focus on two things. In verse 24, God is able. And in verse 25, God is worthy. So look at verse 24. Starts there with a word. Now. Now. So in light of everything that Jude has laid out to the church about who they are, about the false teachers, their distorted gospel of grace, he says, now, church, I want to turn your attention to someone, to something. Now I want you to look up in worship. As we've heard all of this, some of it pretty heavy. You've been called to action to contend for the faith. Now is the time to focus your attention on God. That's what we were doing this morning, wasn't it? Colt and the worship team were inviting us to stop, to lift up our eyes to the one who brings us through all things. The satanic attack on this early church, an attack on the gospel of grace, the enemy's attempt to get the church to fall away from grace, to apostatize, like these false teachers. And he says, now is the time for you to look at who God is, who Christ is. So we see here, when is the time for worship and praise? Now. I was thinking about this this week. It was echoing in my my mind. When is the time? Now is the time to worship. Now is the time to read a doxology like this, a word of praise. In recent weeks, I've been trying to practice something that I learned from my grandmother, my sweet Pentecostal charismatic grandmother, and some of you know her, you're smiling. She's been in the Lord's presence for many years now, but 
She was a now is the time of praise kind of person. It didn't matter what was going on through her day. She faced many personal trials. And she cared for my aunt who was very sickly. And so her life was filled with all kinds of suffering. And she, through the day, would stop no matter what she was doing. I could see her baking a pie. And she would stop. And she would say, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Glory to God. You know, I was like four years old watching. My grandma's full of fire. Not sure exactly what's going on, but as I watched her do this, she would praise throughout the day. And so she would read where David said, seven times a day I praise you. She would do it many more than seven times a day. She would have an issue with my aunt who had mental illness and might blow up at my grandmother, and she would stop, and she would say, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Glory to God in the highest. And then mix in a little bit of tongues too. She taught me that now is the time of praise. So if you're facing something, I want to challenge you this week, in the coming weeks, no matter how dire it is, stop and give it a Grandma Marion. A now is the time of praise. And I, I picked that up from her and I'm trying to practice that. I mean, something will hit me in the day, anxiety, temptation, and I will just stop and I will go, hallelujah. I'll lift up my hands. I may slip off into a side room here in the garage at home, and I'm like, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Glory to God in the highest. And friends, it does something. And so I think Jude is inviting the church to praise and to worship in the face of everything. Look at the next thing here in the second part of verse 24. This is to him who is able. God is able. God has everything that the church needed then and everything that the church needs now. Everything that you and I need, God has. Would you agree? God is able. God has what we need. And we know Jesus says this, apart from Jesus and apart from the Father, we can't do anything. Nothing. He says that in John 15, 5. Apart from me, you can do nothing. But Mike Milner used to pray this. He would always attach Philippians 4, 13. He would say, but with Christ, we can do all things. And so Jude is telling the church, God is able. He has all that you need. Now, I want to pause here for a moment. I want to dwell with this. Because the church, I think... The American church, especially, we, we're off base a little bit here. We receive from God. That is the essence of worship. We don't have anything to offer God. Nothing. Zippo. Except our sin. Or our need for God. God alone is able. You're not able. I'm not able. God alone. And so worship is coming into God's presence and saying, you alone are able. You alone have everything that I need and I'm receiving from you in worship. And then I'm offering up thanksgiving in response to who you are and all that you have. This will adjust the way that you worship. 
Because the notion that we come in, the idea that we come in and we give something to God is not biblical. You with me on this? Psalm 24 says everything belongs to God. He has all that he needs. He provides all that he might need. It's, he's self-satisfied. Even in the Old Testament, Psalm 50, verse 1 through 8, the psalmist says, God does not need your sacrifice. God does not, God's not thirsty. God's not hungry. God's not anxious to have praise. You call on God. He saves you, and then you give thanks. That's the essence of worship. God has what we need. We call on him. He satisfies. He comes through. And then we fall on our knees in thanksgiving. That is the heart of worship. And so I want to dwell with this for a minute. When we come into all saints, we are not giving God a single thing. Do you hear me on this? God does not need anything. He is self-sufficient. He's overflowing. He's an ocean of goodness and greatness and glory. And it's kind of funny to think that we could walk up to the ocean and say, I have something to offer you. Nothing, nothing, church. This is the biblical vision of God, and it's what we're going to be looking at in the coming weeks. We're going to take some passages of Scripture, and we're going to look at the greatness of God's glory and how the church just comes into that and receives from his greatness and his glory, and then we're able to go into the world do you, do you hear what I'm saying? Sometimes people come into church and they might say, hey, we got something to give to God. Huh? I, I, frankly, I don't want to worship a God that I have to give anything to. He is the benefactor. He is the one who has all the storehouses. I am the needy one who comes in and knocks on his door and says, I'm here to receive from you and then I'm going to offer thanksgiving and praise back to you. Amen? That will change the way that we worship. Now, Colt and I have talked about this. We're not coming in like we're uh, consumers. Like, okay, God, what do you got for me? I need the latest song and I need... The... That's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is coming into God's presence as his people. He's the Father. He has all that we need and we receive from him. And then we worship our guts out in response to him in thanksgiving. We call on the Lord. He saves us. He comes through. And then we're filled with praise. Amen? I, I was picturing Niagara Falls this week while I was thinking of this. And then we had uh, Jake and Braden and Elias actually go to a waterfall. We took them to a waterfall in North Carolina. And I was thinking about this passage. These guys crawl under the waterfall and it's pouring over them. And the idea that those three guys have anything to offer to this waterfall that's pouring down from a mountain. Do those three guys have anything that they can offer to that waterfall that's pouring thousands of gallons of water over them and over all the people gathered there? They might take a bucket in and scoop up a little water and take it back to the car or something, but they are not sitting there saying, I have things to offer to this waterfall. They're getting under it. 
Open their mouths if they're thirsty. Let it crash over them. Friends, that is worship. Get under the Niagara Falls of who God is and take it in and then worship with all your might in thanksgiving. Amen? You glorify a waterfall by getting under it and by opening your mouth and taking it in and then inviting other people to that waterfall. God is able. And in the New Testament, we find many other places. Paul says in Romans 16, 25, that God is able to establish you according to the gospel and according to the preaching about Christ Jesus. Paul says in Ephesians 3.20, we were singing about this this morning, God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think according to the power of his spirit at work in us. Friends, God is able. Let's say that together. God is able. God alone is able. He goes on to say here, he's able to what? To keep us from falling. It's what Jude's been talking about through the whole letter. Lots of people falling and falling away from Jesus, falling away from the teachings of Christ, falling away from the teachings of the apostles. And this is where we get the word apostate, which means to fall away spiritually. And so Jude is telling the church at the end, he struck the fear of the Lord in them for sure, hasn't he? He's like, wake up church, look around. People are infiltrating your church, your community, even the communion table, and they are trying in a very cunning way to turn you from genuine grace and from the lordship of Jesus into another gospel. And so Jude is saying, the Lord will guard you and protect you and keep you from falling away like these other false teachers have. And behind this is the image of a shepherd guarding the sheep, driving away the wolves, protecting the sheep. And man, this was good news for them because they had been assaulted over and over again by the false teachers. I would say this is a pretty timely word for us in 2023, would you? Friends, you look around in the American context, many other places, people are falling away from the teachings of Christ and from the teachings of the apostles. So we look to Jude, we look to God, and God is able to lay hold of us, to preserve us, to protect us, to drive away wolves and false teaching as we cling to Christ and to the message of the kingdom. Amen? This is glorious here. Not only is he able to keep the church then and now from falling, from falling away from the gospel of grace, but look at this. It's almost too good to be true. And to make you stand without blemish in the presence of his glory with rejoicing. So he keeps you from falling and then he's able to make you stand. This phrase pops up time and time again in the New Testament, doesn't it? Paul loves the, the picture that God is able to make you stand. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but in Ephesians 6, Paul looks at another church that's been assaulted by false teaching. And he says, church, take up the armor of God, the full armor of God, put it on, and the Lord will make you stand. 
He will make you stand in the spiritual battle that you're in. Not only that, keeping us from falling, but look at this. Does your Bible say without blemish? What's your translation say there? Make you stand without blemish. Is that a typo? (laughs) It is not a typo. It is the truth of God's word. He loves us so much. He has what we need. He is what we need. He has everything. He is determined to bring us before himself without blemish. And this actually comes from the sacrificial imagery of the Old Testament. You remember you're not supposed to bring uh, an old beat up batter to sacrifice and offer it to God, but you bring the best. You bring a sacrifice of thanksgiving to God without blemish. This is the best lamb that I've got here. And so Jude is saying here, the Lord is going to bring you into his presence like a sacrifice of thanksgiving without blemish. The Apostle John picks up this imagery in the New Testament and he says that we are the bride of Christ and that the whole of human history is moving toward the moment when the bride of Christ will meet King Jesus and there will be a wedding celebration. That's what human history is about. And the bride will be presented to the Lord Jesus without blemish. Friends, it's stunning. We are becoming the bride of Christ without blemish, even now. When the Lord forgives us of our sin and we are saved through the blood of Christ, but then through our daily existence, when we sin and fall short, we appeal to him, we repent, he brings forgiveness, and he is in the process of making us the bride, his beloved people without blemish. And Jude is reminding the church the day will come When you stand with Christ, all of this false teaching, the battle, the warfare is behind you, and you are together with Christ, united in faith as his bride without blemish. Friends, we're part of the greatest story saga in human history. This is it. This is it. We are on course to go face to face with Christ as his beloved people, and we want to share that message with as many people as we possibly can. Why don't we stand? I want us to end with God is worthy, verse 25. Jude is saying, God is the only God, our Savior. And this is at the heart of the biblical faith. The Jews, several times a day, it's recorded in Deuteronomy 6. The Shema is what it was called, which is the first word. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. The only one. There is no other. And so Jude is reminding the church God is worthy. He is the only one. He is the only Lord. He is the only one worthy of worship and praise. God alone. No human. No church. God alone is worthy of praise. And then he strings together glory, majesty, power, and authority. And he says God is worthy because he's glorious. He's sovereign 
He's king. He's bringing you into his presence one day. And so we revere him. We love him. We worship him for all of these things. In eternity past, now, and the future. So, Lord, we love you. We thank you for your word. We just look forward to the coming days of seeing how you're able and how you're worthy. Would you just unlock that for us in the coming days, that we would see God is able, God is worthy, and that we would worship with all our might and be sent out into the world on fire. We pray in the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Mike and Jennifer, you want to come up and invite...